Welcome to the Mindset for Runners podcast, helping you to access and unlock your true potential as an athlete. Welcome to part two of the interview with Jay. I hope you enjoyed the first part. If you haven't listened to part one, definitely go back and listen to part one now and then pick up this later on. It's a cracker. I enjoyed it so much. Hope you continue listening to part two of Jay Gaffey's interview. We have focused on your swimming. Can you take us through like a typical training week? I know they're probably very different, but can you, just for someone who's never even trained for an Ironman or something, how many hours, how many sessions of each discipline what did it look like? The trouble with triathlon is you have three sports plus strength, and the strength is so important. Um, so it's mm. about fitting in all of those into, into a week. There's just not enough time. So you have to start doubling up sessions. Yeah. You need to do back-to-back sessions. They're called bricks and triathlon, um, just to try and fit everything in. Mm. Um, so my longest two weeks were in April. Um, and I did, I think for two of them, 38 and a half hours for two weeks consecutively, but in different sports. Okay. And the advantage over running, because I know most of your listeners are runners, is that it's less impact. Yes, okay. Um, so you can do a lot of swimming without getting the injuries and the gotcha. impact, or cycling without getting that fatigue that you get from doing long runs. So what Jodie was doing, my coach, was trying to simulate the race I'd be doing. So I'd do three really big days in a row and then try and have recovery during the week and do the shorter, faster stuff to prepare me for the next three big days. Because obviously the the race is three big days. Right. And those 38 hours, you you mentioned the three big days. Um, Are you, I'm I'm just trying to fit it all into my head. Are you doing a swim and a run or a swim and a bike or... Most days you're doing two Yeah, sessions. so those three days I was doing something as close to the race as we could. So I'd do a big swim yep. and then followed by a big ride and that would be on my own. Yep. And it's the first time I've done that much solo training. And Jody, my coach, specifically asked me to try and do solo training because she knows I have a tendency to surround myself with people. <laughs> and that's not what the race was going to be. It's going to be on my own. Um, particularly with such a small field, I spent on the second day on the bike yep lots of time with nobody else right. out on this road and just yourself and your head and the, and the crew as you pass them periodically. Um, day t- um, second day then would be a big bike ride and then the big run would be every Monday. And okay. I got the whole running club involved in that. <laughs> I took, they took me in shifts, they were wonderful. And they paced you or they, went, they ran with you for So I'd run like... from half five with some people to kind of eight o'clock with other people and they just ran all morning with me. This is what you do, Jay, amazing. Um, Take us through the biggest part of that training in, um, in April, like the month before the race. Um, the biggest part, ah, so in terms of the longest Yeah, your had, longest kind of... Probably my longest one. This was sort of my invention, actually. <laughs> I wanted an adventure. You know when you start getting a little unmotivated by doing similar training, you need to do something that's just fun. Yep. So I thought we'd um, make an adventure. So I got all my friends, as always, and we thought we'd cycle to Canberra. Um, Which and is then how far? From- 230k, I think it was, um, on the bicycles, and then run Canberra Marathon, which happened to be the next day, conveniently. See, some people wouldn't say that's fun. It but, was fun. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So you, just, to, just to reiterate, you rode your bike from Kayama up the mountain to Canberra, 232k, mm-hmm. and then you yep. ran... The, the marathon, marathon the next day. And the day before that, I needed to simulate the swim. Right. And it was 
I think the hardest training day I had was that day before, weirdly. It wasn't the Canberra right. and it wasn't the Canberra Marathon. Why was um, it? It was, well, as you know, we had a pretty average summer. Yeah. <laughs> it rained so yeah. much. I've had drier summers in England than we had this <laughs> summer. It was not ideal for training. Um, and it was pouring rain and I had to do a, I think it was a three hour swim. And I was gonna do it to the, I wanted to wear a wetsuit just for practice. So I went down to Shell Harbor and it was pouring with rain. And I parked up with my windscreen wipers going in the dark, because I wanted to start this early enough to have time to do my bike ride. Just looking at this floodlit pool, I could barely see the end of it. And I just couldn't get out of the car. I sat there for 20 minutes trying to get out of the car. I'd actually driven there in a wetsuit because I thought that would reduce the chances of me not getting into the pool. So yeah. if anyone had had CCTV and seen me sitting with a windscreen wipers going in a wetty with goggles on my head, they would have wondered what in God's name I was doing. Um, but eventually I, I got out and jumped in the pool, but there was a dangerous surf that day. Yeah. Um, there were a few other old guys swimming, so I figured it was safe because the old guys always know. So I jumped in and we started swimming. I did about 20 minutes, that was about it. And this huge wave oh. crashed over oh. the rock pool and hit all of us, all oh. the swimmers, and washed us up to the edge like a bunch of minnows. <laughs> It was the funniest thing. No one said a word. We all just looked at each other like these sort of meerkats with goggles on our heads trying to work out where the hell we were. And then everyone kind of fanned back out across the pool and started swimming. And then another wave came in and then it washed my water bottle away. I'd lost my nutrition. And so I, I thought, this is just stupid. I'm not going to do this. So I got in the car, wet, in my wetsuit, drove to Albion Park to get in the pool there. And because it had been so windy, they hadn't had the pool cover on, so the pool was freezing. Oh, gosh, right. So I got in the pool and started swimming, and it was so cold, I nearly had hypothermia oh. by the end. And I didn't quite finish the swim, my teeth were chattering, oh, and my. I had to sit in the shower for nearly an hour, I think, before I could get on the bike to do the, the bike leg. It was miserable. So after that, the rest of that weekend, nothing. <laughs> in fact, in all my training in my life, nothing has been that grim. So the rest of it was just marvellous. It rained for half the bite leg in, unfortunately, but you know, Goldburn, they don't get rain, so we're fine <laughs> from there. <laughs> and the marathon you were running as well, that was a perfect day. Beautiful day. This, this, is, a, so this is a real simulation, so a, a swim in terrible conditions, then a ride, and then a long ride the next day, and then a marathon the final day. Yeah. How did you cope? How did your body recover? It's a pretty big three days. Oh, it was, I was so excited. It didn't really seem to matter an awful lot to me how I was feeling. I was just, oh, just floating in a cloud of happiness. All my friends cycled with me. I had one person, actually that's not entirely true, I was on my own the whole way up, up the pass, which was reasonable because no one wants to cycle down the pass in the rain, it's dangerous. And then I met someone at the pie shop at Robertson, I cycled in with them and they're all so much fun. And then met Susie and Sam at Goulburn, cycled down till we got to that lake that actually had water in it. What's it called again? Lake George. Lake George. Yeah. And there... Bex, one of my other friends, had organised a crowd to surprise me, <laughs> including my dad. Wow. So I was nearly in tears when I saw dad there. And we cycled from the Lake George to Canberra. And I don't even remember feeling tired. It, I was so, it was so fun. And then on the marathon, I got dressed up and looked pretty stupid. And <laughs> I was just having a laugh and enjoyed it. So I didn't, yeah, I felt fine physically the whole way. I was just having too much fun to worry, really. You, just to 
just to clarify, you wore a superwoman outfit? Superwoman in PVC, which I really quite... don't recommend for running in. <laughs> well, it, unbelievable. Can we get back to the, the crew? What is having those people supporting you and meeting you and chatting with you? What does that do for you from a mental perspective? It's anyone who's done any long stuff will understand this. You take one look at them and it gives you half an hour of energy right there. It just, you can just ride on their love, their energy, and it's just incredible. When I finished Ultraman, Dan from my crew hugged Ben and said, we did it. Yeah, right. It, it's, Ultraman wasn't just me, I was the person out doing it, but it's a team event. It, it would have been impossible without them. It's completely unsupported. Yeah. Um, so it was more than what they gave me mentally. It would have been impossible without mm. them. It, Ultraman was thanks to Jody, to Ben, to Alice, and to Dan. And so you had the crew. T t take us through it while we're here. Take us through your crew. I want to hear all about who came, who, who was there, what they did for you. Um, they had a big red bus, which <laughs> they carried everything you could possibly imagine in. They had to do first aid. They had to do nutrition, so food and drinks. Um, I'd give them a check sheet that you'd help me with, and they checked. I had everything right the whole time. Um, they did mechanics, um, they did navigation, um, they basically did absolutely everything apart from the running, swimming and cycling. And I think less than any race, I've never felt any, I felt no nerves for this one because I delegated everything to them, even the worrying, they worried for me, they got stuff happening. I just delegated it all to them and, and just enjoyed the whole, the entire race. I loved it apart from one bit in the swim, but that's a slightly different story. I got cramps um, I just loved it. So without that crew, it would be impossible. Yeah. Um, some of the people had trouble with crew losing them or crew fighting and not getting on or they were fighting with their crews. Um, and I genuinely feel the reason I did as well as I did was down to my crew. Wow. Wow. So. Beautiful to hear you talk. I, I, we'll come back to that. Let's go before Ultraman. You had great, your training was brilliant. And then tell us what happened before. Yeah, my Should training we... went perfectly. <clears throat> I had no problems. I had no overuse injuries, any of the big things you worry about training for long distance. Um, but as we were talking about, it was a really wet summer yeah. and lots of people were coming off bikes. I knew so many people who had, had injuries and broken collarbones and torn shoulders and everything else. Right. Um, so I'd been doing a lot of work indoors trying to avoid that happening. Um, but I went out to do some efforts on my own two weeks before the race, um, cycling on a bike path. And they are often made from cement and they're very slippery. And I cycle in a straight line going over a flat bit and just the wheel shot out from under me and I just flew up this pavement on my shoulder and my hip and took all my skin off down one side. and bruised my hip, I got this bony edema in my hip and a mild kind of contusion injuries and it was pretty sore actually. And that was two weeks out from my race. And so much so that you were considering how you were going to run at all, right? I couldn't really walk, um, not without hobbling very badly. Um, and the advice was to try and keep off my foot altogether, not to, to run. So I didn't run a single step. I barely walked a single step for the two weeks up until the day I raced. So when I started I, um, Ultraman, I had no idea if I was going to be able to, to do anything on this run at all. I was still going to finish. 
that was my plan. But I had three plans. Plan A was everything was fine just to run it. Plan B was run as much as I could and try and finish it in the cutoff. And plan C was to crawl it, even though they'd said we weren't allowed. If I had to, I was going to bloody well finish. Um, but then I wouldn't have been an ultraman. I would have been a participant. So we need to, we need to pause, CJ, because you, you've got a, a more significant injury than you let on that stopped you from running and even walking enough. <laughs> but whereas most of us would have said, I'm going to give Ultraman a miss and I'll do it next year. You were like, what can you tell us what you were thinking? It's still worth going. It's still worth going to Noosa. It's still worth taking the people up. Talk us through that decision. I think everyone, when you get injured, the first thing you do is just deny, don't you? <laughs> Isn't that everyone? Yeah, right. So yeah. um, I remember when I slipped my disc, at, you know, just before I'd run the 100, holding on to the edge of the sink, trying to lift my right leg up and saying, I'm sure I can still run this. I'm going to be fine. And it was only when um, I saw my um, GP, Jackie Sloan, and she said, you could, but you may permanently damage yourself forever, right. that I didn't. So I don't really... I'm like a terrier. I get my teeth into stuff and I don't stop. I've never DNF'd. I would keep going. Um, so it, stopping which didn't go through my head as an option. Even though you couldn't run and you had an 84k double marathon after doing these huge swim and bike, you still didn't think... Well, I, I wouldn't think about it too much as my second thing. Okay. I can't okay. change it. Yeah. So I was going to do my swim and my bike ride. I was yeah. going to do my second bike ride on day two. Um, and then to see what happened on the run. And actually the day before the run, we were looking at the forecast and it said there was life-threatening flash floods going to happen. And I wasn't sure if anyone was going to be running. <laughs> um, but I don't think there's any point worrying about something you can't change. I could run or not run and I'd see on the day, I guess. We're learning more about your mindset because this is the same as having a goal but not attaching to it. You didn't attach to the fact that you might not have been able to run. You didn't worry about it, obsess about it. You accepted it and said, I'm going to... I can still swim and I can still ride. The only thing I was slightly worried about was letting my crew down and yeah. all of my supporters. Not in a kind of soul-quenching terror sort of way, just in a sort of niggling, disappointed sort of way. Um, but yeah, other than letting them down, if, if I couldn't do it, I, you can only do what you can do. I was planning on giving it a go and just seeing what happened. <laughs> What's the worst thing that could happen? Exactly. What's the worst that could happen? <laughs> All right. This is an unbelievable. Um, we learn more about how selfless you are in your focus. So you, most, I'm not going to say most, a lot of individual athletes would obsess over that and feel sorry for themselves and think about all the training they've done and how it was wasted, blah, 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 blah. You didn't go down that spiral. You were, you, your biggest concern was, oh, my crew, you know, are they going to be disappointed, blah, blah, blah. So it's, it's really cool to hear the way that your mind works. Can you take us through the race? Yeah, it was um, beyond a doubt the hardest three days I've ever done sporting-wise. And what I hadn't considered before was doing a staged race is a really different kettle of fish. Um, anyone who feels nervous before a race, to get up the next day and do that again, and get up the next day and then do that again, it sounds obvious, but I hadn't particularly thought about that until I was out on the race course are doing it. Um, day one was the swim. Um, it was, in my opinion, perfect weather. Anyone from Queensland would have hated it. Right. It was cold. Um, I think we had about 10 mils of rain. It was cloudy. It's so much better than being hot. I'm, I'm a pom through and through. <laughs> um, and it was relatively smooth, the water to start with. It can be choppy. My biggest fear is I get seasick. 
Oh, right. So I was so worried I'd be seasick on that swim and it really wasn't bad. And chop is unpleasant, but you can still swim through that. It's big rollers that send me vomiting and feeding fish and <laughs> ch carrot chucking or there's plenty of other names for that. And <laughs> um, the swim to start with went amazingly. Um, it was PB time. I was doing 150s, which for me is it's really quick. I felt relaxed. I didn't even feel like I was pushing it. And it went perfectly till about eight kilometers. And then I started getting twinges in my calf and I thought, oh goodness, I'm gonna get a cramp. So I stopped kicking. So from 8K until the turnaround, the last turnaround boy, I just didn't kick at all. I just floated my legs um, like a corpse behind me and just swam like fury at the front. Um, but the last turnaround boy, there was a river coming out and a rip going across. So the water was crossing. Jody and all the support canoe, so there's people out on the canoes who yeah. support each swimmer um, because it's such a big swim, we end up too spaced out for normal life surf. And um, she said if it wasn't for the fact it was a race, it would have been darn funny to watch because everyone was swimming like mad on the spot. We just couldn't get through oh, this rip. Right. And so I had to kick again. So I started kicking and swimming and I got these cramps in my calf. Um, now anyone who gets cramps, they know that all you can do is scream and leap around. And if you're on land, you would, you'd stretch, but you can't because you're in water. So you're suspended with this cramp and there is nothing at all you can do about it. You can't clear the cramp. It's you, just... There's nothing you can oh do. So I put my foot in the canoe and screamed at my poor coach saying, just make it stop. <laughs> and what had happened is my calf had cramped so badly. I was kind of a rigor mortis point with my foot. Yeah. Um, so she pushed on my toes until she could get it down and that was great, it felt good. Got back in the water, cramp came back. So I thought it was so, so painful and I thought, I, I, I've just got to swim. I can't get out, that's the end of the race. There's no point worrying about this now, I'm going to do the best imitation of swimming I can do. And so I did perhaps the most awkward swim one could possibly imagine for the last kilometre or so from that boy back into the beach. Um, I added about 15 minutes to my race, but I was still in contention, so I was happy. When I got to the beach, I couldn't even stand. Two people had to pick me up, and my, I still had this, this pointy toe. I just couldn't get my heel on the floor. So eventually I managed to walk, giving a hugely animated commentary about my views on swimming as I did so. <laughs> um, got to the top, jumped on the bike. That's my happy place. And it was a bit wet. It had been raining. So we set off, had a beautiful ride. I absolutely loved it. Um, and it's hilly, day one is hilly. Right. And it's quite um, technical, some of the descents. Um, and I'd come off as, you know, two weeks ago. So coming back down on the way back on these slippy roads, I went past the girl who was in second place and she was lying on the road, oh. covered in blood, oh, um, really? all the crew around oh. her. I think a couple of other people came off too. And it was just I had to kind of gather myself wow. and not worry about it and keep going. Because you know, if you've recently done something, it's fresh in your head, isn't it? Absolutely. So after that, I was just a bit more cautious on yeah. the descent. Um, but for me, it went well. And luckily that competitor got back on. Yeah, and, she was okay. Yeah, she yeah. finished. Um, she struggled on the run. She, I think she'd hurt herself quite badly, oh, but she yeah. finished covered in blood and bandages and everything else. Ended up in A&E, not the best recovery. Um, so yeah, day one was exciting and it was okay. <laughs> I loved the bike ride. Um, just so it's a th about a three and a half hours swim. Is that yeah, about right? Yeah, something like that. I and can't remember. So the last time. two, I just want to go back. You had you were swimming with cramps that you couldn't clear from your legs. Yep. That's. It was absolutely agonising. Yeah. And the problem with that is to swim well, you need to be relaxed. And I was, 
I, I looked like someone had dropped an angry cat and cat kitten in water. I was so tense trying to swim and it, oh goodness, it was painful. In fact, after my Ultraman, for three or four weeks later, my calf still hurt from that cramp. It was no one of the things that took the longest to go. Wow, so it was it's a, quite extraordinary. Quite a to sore hear. cramp as they go. When you got on the bike, did the cramps plague you? Or did no, they, they were they still were there, but okay. it's not a problem because you can, or running, a cramp running's fine. You, you go, ow, it hurts, and you stretch it, and it's sort of <laughs> annoying, but it's not the end of the world. But swimming's, a, yeah. <laughs> So after day one, um, if I'm correct, there's a five hour 25 bike. So you've just kind of told that in a few minutes, but yeah. you swam for three and a half hours, five and a half hours on the bike, and yep. you second overall. Second place. Um, did, what happened that night? Were you, were you sore? Were you thinking about, I mean, second place? Are you thinking, what, what, what was going through it's your really head? It's really exciting. Oh, really? <laughs> it's, it's really fun doing a stage race yeah. in the respect that you get to know your competitors. Um, and you, you really get a chance to dig in and get your claws into what you're doing. And so I never expected to be in contention for a podium finish. I, it just never crossed my mind. I was just having a bit of a laugh and giving it a go and you know, what's the worst that can happen? Um, so I, I was so excited when I went to bed that night and I was yeah, really looking forward to the next day because I love cycling. <laughs> <laughs> Did you sleep well? Um, yeah, I slept really well the first night. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. So you, I mean, I'm guessing it's, it's all hands on deck for recovery for the night. Like, yeah, so I was it? lying in ice baths, okay. which is uh, yeah. not my most favourite pastime. Eating, the... nutrition, hydration. Are you? Yeah. Yep. Uh, As you know, nutrition is absolutely yeah. fundamental, and particularly if you want to get up the next day and compete again. Yeah, if you sure. get that wrong, you're stuffed. Okay. Just can you just talk us through nutrition during the swim and the bike? How did you go? What did you use? How did you maintain? Well, swim's tricky. Yeah. The problem with swimming and eating is if you've ever tried eating and then lying on your front, you'll soon <laughs> discover whatever you've yeah. eaten wants to come back up again. Yeah. So you have to make sure you like it because you have a lot of burping and re you wouldn't eat tuna, let's put it that way, <laughs> it'd be grim. Um, so the other thing with swimming is it's, you can't communicate easily with the person on the canoe. Uh, you don't know what time it is, you don't know how long you've been swimming, you, you don't really have a concept of where it's at. So it's down to the person on the canoe who's carrying everything to kind of hit you with a paddle, keep everything strictly on a time, which is what Jodie was doing for me, and keeping a track of what I could eat. Until I started cramping, after that I, I just couldn't eat or drink, I was in complete agony, I was sort of crying and screaming and swimming. So for the last bit I did nothing nutrition-wise. Okay. But you, providing you keep track of that, you're on a bike next. So you just drink, eat and drink more as you do that. When you say hit with a paddle, was that your kind of routine with, with eating? Yeah. So you get so every on. half an hour, yep. you'd give me a little bit of a, get the cattle prod out and give me a poke. <laughs> and I'd stop okay. and I, you're allowed to put your hand on the edges of the canoe, okay. providing it's not moving. Yep. So there's no forward propulsion. Right. So you'd rest on that and you'd drink and you'd eat a little. And obviously that slows you down. But it's worth, worth it, it because Absolutely. if you get that wrong, oh, that's so the end of your race. And on the bike, were you getting food from the crew or were they, yep. My crew were amazing. Okay, what were they doing? <laughs> so they would stand in a line spaced out. I would cycle flat out past them. They would be holding the food in the air and I would just grab oh, it. Wow. And then the last, and then st store it on me. And the last person, I would throw all my rubbish at them like confetti. <laughs> and they would run around picking it all up. I didn't even slow down, barely. This is amazing. How often were you, is this every half an hour as well? Or yeah, every half an hour, 40 minutes or so. Did you practice this or did you just? Yeah, we did. Okay. Yeah. Same with water bottles. They hold them at the base, like a baton, yep. and I'd go past and just grab it and then pop it straight in and throw my other water bottle at the 
the poor target who was picking up my rush and rubbish. <laughs> and if you missed, did you miss the water bottle? Um, did they... I didn't miss any food or drinks to pick it up. Um, there were a few times where I was eating and drinking and you drop stuff and you know that, yeah, that can be tricky. Unreal, Jay. This is amazing. So, okay, so day two. So you sleep quite well between day one and day two. Yeah, no Takes problem. through ever. day two. So day two is a massive bike ride. I, yeah, I'd done that 300 one here, but that was over flat terrain right. and both the bike legs were really quite hilly. And the weather? And the weather, it rained a little, not much, with okay. a five mil of rain. It was cloudy, it was yeah. cool. Right. It was quite windy. And we headed with the wind behind us to start with, looped back, and the first 50K is a no feed zone, they called it. Right. So you're allowed absolutely no help. So you're just on your own with the other cyclists. And they'd line you up in the order you'd finished the day before, okay. both genders together. We'd set off together, we'd race the first 50k on our own, and then you'd meet your crews, and your heart would swell, and it was like <laughs> seeing your parents when you're leaving school. And there they were, and, and then you'd set off together, and over that kind of distance, you'd end up pretty spaced out. So most of that I did on my own. Yep. And my day two was like a dream. Everything went perfectly. I got a flat tire. Um, unfortunately, I got a flat tire when my crew wasn't near me. And um, so I told another crew to help me oh, <laughs> and they were amazing. So they changed the tire and I took that as an opportunity to stretch my back and eat some food. And um, so I lost, I think I timed it 12 minutes or something with that, okay. um, which meant I couldn't quite catch second place. And on the bike on that came in on third on day right, two. Day two. And, and this is a, how, how many hours on the bike? I can't remember. It's about eight, I think. Okay. Just over eight. I remember you came in just under 10. Oh, perhaps, yeah, yeah, I don't even remember. This is so yeah. funny. Yeah. It's so funny, your recollection of how in the moment you are and, and the things that you remember. It's... I don't really get that obsessed with time. Yes. It's... So what I'd done is delegate that to, to one of my crew, Dan, and he was telling me what times I had to do, what speeds I had to do, because I just don't pay attention yeah. when I'm out there. I don't even look at what time I'm doing. I, I, I'm just singing. I'm, I'm looking around me. I smiled so much at a sore face. Um, <laughs> But I'm not looking at the distance. I never look at distance. It's important you don't. And certainly not looking at time. So amazing. And, and there's people listening to this who are obsessed with the splits and times and, and thinking that you're not focused and thinking that you taking your eyes off this means you're not in your peak performance. I'm going to reiterate, you are absolutely in peak performance and, and, and your results prove that um, because you've let go of those things that aren't your strength and you focus on your strengths. Which and you can concentrate on the road, you can concentrate in the hills, you can feel that wind, you can feel your form, you can, do, you can think about the things that make a difference to your racing and looking at your watch doesn't help anything. So valuable, Jay, so valuable. Okay, so after day two, you're in, th do you say third place on the bike? So I think Second I came in third on day two, which put me third overall. Okay. So yeah. then, Where's your head that night? Take us through that. I'm I'm on still in podium contention. I didn't yeah. expect to be. No, I didn't. So um, we were rewriting the race, thinking okay. if my hip wasn't too sore, and I was going to find out when I tried running the next day. And um, we rewriting our plans, again. what are we going to do? How how am I going to make this into a, a proper race from here? And um, because I, I hadn't particularly been expecting to get these kind of results. And meanwhile, the news is telling us we're all going to die in floods, so we're in for some bad weather. Right, so the weather forecast was dire. The yeah, next day. we had 133 mils of rain the next day. It was seriously wet. It was so fun. <laughs> it was the best. So much better than slogging along in this heat. It, it, was, like, it was like gladiators from the 1990s. It, 
we were you couldn't run on the paths some of them you were wading through kind of knee thigh deep a car next to me drove into one of these puddles and then wrote itself off which i thought was hugely amusing and um, there's darwinism in action next to you <laughs> um and so it meant it oh i just loved it it just kept me quite entertained we had to do the briefing before the run and everyone was standing around with his umbrellas in this driving rain. We could barely hear what he was saying, even with a microphone and because of the brollies and this pouring rain on top of us. Um, but the night before, we were just trying to work out what we were going to do for these three plans. I was having ice baths, trying to decide if my hip was going to work or not work and what I'd do if it was or wasn't and, and um, decide from there, I guess. So you mentioned you had a plan A, B, and C. You'd drawn yep. out the night before. Yeah. Um, you're having a briefing. There's torrential rain, and so much so that there was landslides, and I think houses got damaged, and it was that kind of weather where... Yeah. So you start the 84K run on your own? No, we start together. You start, sorry. Yeah, so start the, whole, the whole group on day yep. three start together, but it's a cumulative time. So obviously we've, yep. we're all looking at each other knowing where we yeah, are on gotcha. this yeah <laughs> gotcha. on this cumulative time the board's up there in front of us how did you manage that like, did you get caught up in that or did you i can't oh, yeah. imagine you did but, <laughs> but it was fun though <laughs> not in a kind of you know if i hadn't won it would if i'd yep. come last it wouldn't have mattered but it is fun to be in contention and just because my crew was so stoked that i was doing this wow. because it's a race together and so they were so chuffed this was happening which i loved too so you're on the start, you're in contention, you've got eighty-four Ks ahead of you, and you're not sure if you can run. Not yeah. What happened? So I just the first bit was on your own. So just against the other competitors. We had paces for the rest, but the first, I can't remember, ten K I think you were on your own. So um, I just started running and I was just gonna see how it felt. And it hurt like mad <laughs> when I started running every step, it was oh, like gosh. a searing pain <clears throat> in my hip. And I thought, oh, it's not getting any worse as I was running. <laughs> and I was running super slow. I was doing, I can't remember now, a 6.37 minute pace, just shuffling along just to see how it'd feel. Um, and by the time I met my crew in the pacer, which was Alice, it, it really wasn't any worse. It was just a sort of, every time I hit, it would just hurt, but it didn't get any worse. So I decided not to worry about it. It was fine. And by the end, everything was going to hurt. So it'd be kind of fine. <laughs> so that put that to one side. This was definitely going to be a plan A race. So I was going to go give it. So just to go back, every step hurts. You, from right from the start, yep. you've got 84 kilometers in front of you. Yet you're able to detach from the 84 kilometers and say, well, it's not getting any worse. Well, if it's not getting worse, it's not a concern to me. Even though it hurts like hell every step. Yeah. <laughs> How do you hold those two things in the same imbalance? Well, it's only if you're worrying about pain that it's really a problem. Right. And so you're only worrying about pains when they're new and they're getting, they're, they're progressing. And we've all had that moment halfway through a marathon where you get a niggle in your knee and then you start thinking, oh, you know, is this going to be a problem? Is it going to get worse? Will my knee spontaneously combust and I'm going to be left <laughs> one legged halfway through this and everyone will hate me. <laughs> um, but it's if it's not and you can't change it let it go it's wow so he, he this is the same mindset that we're hearing through your racing is here's this outcome um i can't control it so i'm not going to focus on it i'm going to yep. focus on my performance my the moment my next step what i can control not getting washed away <laughs> not that i can control that hugely 
And so how did that go? You met Alice at 10K yeah. and then what happened next? So, oh, it was so fun. Until the, the first marathon was just, we chatted the whole way, we were singing. I, I was overtaking the field, which always makes you feel good because I'd set off so slowly and I, I, I quite like setting off slowly. I'm not worried by that. I don't care if people run off, it's never worried me. And so I was doing my own speed and I knew I was happy with that. And gradually I kept catching people and overtaking them gradually. Two, two of us, over, I took over, overtook one lady as we both went the wrong direction, which is moderately amusing and didn't get too lost. Got to the halfway mark and I was feeling great. And by halfway, I'd wormed my way up to second place in the run. And that's when I realized I had a, had a shot at this now. And on the way back, because you're running back along the same course, I could start to pass the other people in the field and I knew where they'd come because we all knew each other. Right. So I started to realize if I could make enough of a gap and I knew what the gap was from the, from the ride, I had a chance at this winning this. So just for the listeners, it's the, is it, am I right, it's the accumulative time of all three all days? All three days, okay. yeah. And so did you, you had these figures worked out the night before? Or? No, Dan had. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, Dan had. Dan had worked out everything. So as I was running, he would be saying to me, um, so-and-so is you know, eight minutes behind now um, you've got a gap of blah, right. so you need to make up this much to make sure you've beaten them on the bike. So yeah. they had worked out all the stats, and I would just listen to it and feel happy and just run a bit faster. And yeah, I didn't work it out. Just so you didn't, it didn't put, did it put pressure on you knowing that you had yeah, this time? Yeah, but it's kind of good pressure, not bad pressure. So it was fun, you know, they're there, that's it's inspiring, isn't it? And you're digging in and you're getting your teeth into it, and yeah, it's good pressure. So let's. You're halfway through, you've got this eight minute gap that yeah. you talk about. Tell us what the crew's doing during this run. You've got Dan working out splits. What's different? Uh, it wasn't just my crew, half of Kayama came up. It was <laughs> so good. So I had um, people running up and down, seeing where the other people were, reporting back to my crew who were working out the splits for me to win it. Um, I had people the whole length of the run were just leaping out of shrubbery, <laughs> supporting me in the pouring rain. I just couldn't believe it. I had everyone up there. Um, Dad, who I genuinely think I've never seen him so excited. My wedding day, he looked less excited than he did during <laughs> Ultraman. Wow. So he was beside himself with excitement and they were there the whole run, just dotted along supporting me. and passing me in the car and waving at me whenever my actual crew weren't there. Meanwhile, my actual crew were having all kinds of trouble trying to find me on the run because all these roads were flooding. Yes. So they were trying to take detours and get through bits they couldn't drive through oh, and <laughs> turn up in time to give me nutrition and change, change over the paces and off we'd go again. And so they were working hard and the poor crew were sopping wet yeah. and they did 10K shifts. So they'd have to get into the bus, which was steamed up, and yep. strip off and sit in towels and then get dressed again and then they'd leap out and meet me again. This is amazing. Um, so they had a really tough time. Um, I think I actually had it easier just running the whole thing than they did. It just shows how much a crew affects the athlete. Oh, yeah. Did you see other crews who, like you said, weren't yeah, having such I a good time? Yeah, I saw a few arguments. I actually right. saw one of the athletes having a, um, a bit of a Barney with her team through the window. Yeah. Um, a few of the crews had arguments. Um, I know our crew ended up supporting a number of the other athletes. 
as well as me. Um, one of the guys' crew, they lost him for a big chunk of the first marathon. They were, I think I gave him two bottles of water and four or five gels and kept him going. Another guy was really struggling with cramps, so Jody ran back and gave him stuff to help him with his cramps. So it's actually what makes Ultraman really special is that sort of family feeling where yeah. it, it's a family that's racing together and you want all the competitors to do well. Even though you are competing, your crew still helped other runners. Yeah. It wasn't like leaving them on their own. It's yeah. beautiful. Just jump over their body and keep <laughs> let them float away. So we're into the last part of the or last marathon of the um, of the whole race. So what happened from here on? Yeah, that was when I was really trying to focus. And as you know, towards the end, I think I was saying earlier, if it's a 5K race, you don't want to go more than 5K. If it's mm. 10, you never want to go more than 10. And something happens in your brain towards the end where it always gets hard. If it had been 100, that would have been easy at 80. Yeah. But at 60K, there's a couple of big hills. It's actually more vertical than I'd realized in that run. I think it was just less than 1,000 in total, which I hadn't wow, really trained for. So it's actually relatively yeah. hilly. And some of those hills were really steep. Um, and my hip was quite sore coming down, going up. I'm not great at running up hills, but at least it didn't hurt. Yeah. The flat I was okay, but it was really painful running down. Each step I was singing ow <laughs> to my songs and trying to keep my form together so I didn't injure anything else. Yeah. Um, but after the hills, it's relatively flat for the last 10K or so. Luckily, my pace for the last 10K was my husband, Ben, because I kind of went a bit crazy. <laughs> what do you I was, mean? Well, He'd said something about meeting the rest of the pack. And so then I imagined that they were a pack. And so then I started howling like a wolf at the top of my voice, running down the center of Noosa. We scared the bejesus out of one woman because she, she had a brolly up because of the rain and I howled and she nearly jumped off the road. Um, I was growling, I was howling, I was, it was so fun. I don't even know, that last 10K was like a dream. I just loved it. I was hunting my pack. Right. And 1K, oh, it makes me choke up thinking about it. 1K from the end, my entire crew, the crew's crew, all my friends, my dad, everyone was waiting for me. Wow. And I came around this corner and I howled and they all howled back at me. <laughs> <laughs> it was just amazing. And we ran up this beach all howling. And when I crossed the finish line, the race organizer came up to Jody and said, is this a Kayama thing, this howling? <laughs> 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 um, so the last bit, yeah, I'd gone completely insane, but it was, it's just incredible. So you, this is incredible. So your crews heard you howling through the streets and instead of thinking, what is Jay doing? She's gone crazy. They join in with you. Howling. Start, <laughs> did you know that, that last K, did you know that you had a chance of winning or that you were in front or that you'd done enough? Or? I knew I was close. Right. Um, but I didn't know if I had won until um, Fiona Lenz crossed the finish line because okay. she had to be far enough behind me. I had to have made enough of a gap. Wow. So I didn't know. I crossed the finish line. I didn't know if I'd won. And then we all looked at this clock and we tracked Fiona until I could just see where it had gone Unbelievable. To. And as soon as that time clicked over, that's when I'd won. Right. Amazing. <laughs> What a moment that must have been. It was. I, yeah. It's like, a, I still can't even believe it. I, yeah. It never been what I expected to do. Such an amazing story. So you never had any intentions of winning. Goodness, you no. Never even thought you could, you were hoping to hoping finish. Hoping I could finish. And not yeah. be a participant. Yeah. With your busted hip and your, you Just know. Just hadn't done those distances. You don't know, do you? 
Yeah. It's such an unknown. Um, can just can I take that thought and for someone listening who's thinking about stepping up to the next distance or you know they, they've got the fear or I couldn't do that or the barrier, what would you say to them? <laughs> What's the worst that can happen? <laughs> and just try everything. And what fascinates me when you sign up for these long things is everyone wants to naysay you. When I signed right. up for a marathon, everyone said, you can't do that. You, you can't train for it. You only have five weeks. That's not enough time to train for a marathon. And you can. Right. You can do virtually anything within reason. And you don't know unless you try. And if you can't, who cares? Just have a go. Jay, it's so cool. It's so cool. I'm just, I'm buzzing with this. Um, can we, we're getting to the end. Is there anything that we haven't covered? Because I'm in a little bit of, fan what's the fangirl fanboy thing at the moment so is anything it should be gender neutral (laughs) fan person fan athlete Uh, is there um yeah anything you want to say that you haven't said i didn't i didn't ask you that you think would be beneficial no just anyone who's thinking of doing something don't listen to what other people tell you just try it i did um no sciences at school and they told me i was no good at science and so I should find a career that was non-science based. And so I did a geography degree and then got a first and thought, well, I'm not that stupid. First degree honors, I don't know if there's an equivalent here. Um, so I thought, oh, you know, I've always wanted to do medicine actually, um, and looked into it and thought, I'll just try A-levels at science. I'll try my school science exams and just tried it and got them. Um, even though everyone said I couldn't at school and became a dentist and I tried the interview process I wasn't sure if I'd get it and I did and then I was a dentist so just ignore people who tell you you can't do stuff you can you won't know unless you try absolutely brilliant is there anything you'd like to say or thank anybody before oh, we go it'd be a, such a long list <laughs> Rob thank you for everything you've done Thanks to Jody, my coach, my husband, who's still married to me, despite <laughs> having an IQ at 50% of what it ought to have been for a substantial period of time. Um, to my crew, to my cruise crew, to the Kayama Club, who I love, the Kayama Running Club and the Triathlon Club. You can't do these things without your friends. Awesome. Well, I'd like to say thank you to you for inspiring more people than you know, including me. Thanks for listening to the Mindset for Runners podcast. I hope you got something useful and practical out of this episode. If you have a question around the mindset of runners or athletes in general, please email me, athlete.mindset.training at gmail.com, and I'll answer your question on an upcoming podcast. And if there's anyone you know who could benefit from the information I share in these podcasts, please share it with them. See you next time.